0: And I'm Brittany Grover. And you are listening to the special monthly Sidelines Magazine episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 7th, episode 2968. Sidelines is the magazine for horse people about horse people. Good morning, Horse World. Thank you for tuning in this morning. On today's show, we talk with Martha Ingram about the special horses she's been involved with. And we catch up with Sidelines writer and author Kim Gatto, who interviewed Olympic dressage writer Stefan Peters, who appears on the cover of the July issue of Sidelines.
2: The Sidelines Magazine episode comes to you the first Thursday of every month. And this month, our episode is brought to you by Marketmore LLC. Marketmore LLC is an Alcala, Florida based training, showing, sales, and breeding operation five miles from the renowned World Equestrian Center. They specialize in equine investments, selective consignment horses, and year-round showing with both privately owned horse rider combinations and new imports. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram or contact them at LLC at gmail.com. And now let's jump right in with our first guest, Martha Ingram. Martha Ingram's family has been involved with horses at the highest level for many years. She is continuing the family tradition as a competitive amateur owner-writer while she works with her family's business, handling many philanthropic endeavors.
0: Hi, Martha. How are you doing?
3: I'm great. I'm so glad to be um, on the podcast with you all. This is
0: my first podcast. so I'm very excited. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I'm so excited to be interviewing you. So I only live about two hours away from you, and you know I'm obsessed with donkeys, so you know yeah. I'm coming to your farm to seed your donkeys. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. They're adorable. Petunia and Lily, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, well, good. So we'll catch up pretty soon when I come there. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, one thing that I think is amazing is that your grandparents co-owned touch of class because I am way older than you. And I remember watching that video, you know, like watching it live on TV and then later that afternoon, I went out to the barn and I can remember cantering around on my horse going, I'm going to the Olympics, just like Joe Far, just but of course I didn't. Um, now, were you, um, was Touch of Class still alive when you were born?
3: I, to be honest, I'm not, I, I don't remember. I think may, maybe, but not for very long. Um, okay, so I, I, I mean, I would have been to, I don't exactly remember when she passed um but if she was still alive i i, I don't re- remember
0: okay but it's still really cool that your p- grandparents own that and speaking of your grandparents how did they get the names mormor and morfar
3: <laughs> so my grandmother is swedish actually okay. so mm. the, so mormor is swedish for a mother's mother and oh. morfar is swedish for her mother's father so Obviously, my mother Stephanie is a Curry, so those were um, her parents. So mother's mother, mother or mother's father, um, and my uh, uncle Christian. He has kids, and they would often call. Well, actually, really only the one son called my grandfather Farfar, which is father's father, um, okay. and then it would be Farmore as father's mother. Um, so oh, that's wow. how they.
0: Call Okay. Well, that makes more sense. Cause I was like, did y'all just invent these names? Or? <laughs> um, Cause you know how sometimes if like the first grandkid calls a grandparent something, then all the grandparent, I mean, all the grandkids call them that, but that makes more sense. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah, um, And I'm gonna ask you one other question. Okay. So you did, and then I'm gonna let Brittany ask you about horse stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just asking you random things. Um, you're, uh you live by Nashville, or you live in Franklin, Tennessee. So you live near Nashville. Do you like country music? I
3: I did not as
0: a kid,
3: um, uh-huh. but I do now. Yes, actually, one of my favorite my favorite country artists and one of my favorite artists is actually Jason Aldean. Ah, oh, um, yeah. I don't know why. I just he's just one person that I've always liked his music, and I pretty much like it, all of his songs. Which that doesn't normally happen for me with artists. I don't normally yeah. like. Yeah. Every song, there's normally just like a couple or maybe an album that I love, but yeah. Um, so yes, I actually do love country music,
0: but oh, i not always okay. So, have you been because I've been to Jason Aldine's restaurant there down on Broadway? Have you been there? Oh, yes, many okay. a
2: time,
0: <laughs> and then next door to Luke Bryant's also. So, okay, yep.
2: cool. Yep. Do all the country music stars just have restaurants in Nashville? Is that like a thing?
3: Pretty much, They're, they have a lot of bars downtown yeah. miranda just opened up one um and the cool thing about the bars here in nashville is well i mean a lot of them are, are country themed but they have lots of different levels and floors so you know the first level is normally where, where you have a lot of live music where often a lot of country artists and then as you go up you either have like a restaurant um or a club more type of music where you can get you know like your rap and EDM and all that kind of stuff. And then a lot of them have rooftop bars, which are really nice, especially in the um, summer, fall when it's
0: not too hot. Wow. And I saw that Garth Brooks is about to open one. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Okay. So um, you took after the family business and started riding horses. Mm -hmm. So when did you start riding? I
3: think I first. Was on a horse at like age of three because um, my dad played polo for forever. He also did hunter jumpers as a kid, but then really got into polo. Um, so we had a magnet. We did our my parents redid the, our kitchen in Florida, so I'm not quite sure where it is now. But we used to on the microwave have a little tiny magnet um, that was a photo of me and my dad. Um, I was like three or something, um, uh-huh. but I didn't really start showing competing until I was like eleven or twelve. Um, because I was actually, most people probably don't know this unless you really know me, but was so scared of like, not of horses themselves, but of riding horses, mm-hmm. like absolutely terrified. I think they had to like trick me into cantering. Um, and so the fact that I do anything that I do now is actually mind blowing. And still now I'm like, I can't believe that I do this because I'm, because I'm not the bravest person. I'm kind of a chicken. That's um, and so cool. Reck- if Tom Wright was here, he would be laugh, chuckling because we joke about it all the time. Um, so I didn't really start competing at 11 or 12. And what another thing most people don't know is um, we, d- instead of riding for that kind of period of time when I, when I was scared, we did dog agility. So my mom oh, wow. sisters and I traveled around a lot to do that. I have no idea how we got into that, but it was really fun. Um, and I was definitely the youngest by, with the exception of, my two sisters, the youngest by 30, 40 years. (laughs)
2: Wow.
0: (laughs) Like everyone's in their 30s, 40s and I'm like 10.
2: (laughs) Wow. That's really cool.
0: Um, do you still have any dogs that you make them jumps over, jump over jumps? Um, I have, we, I, we have a couple of dogs. Um,
3: we don't do dog agility anymore, but I have my rescue dog who at the farm in Florida, uh, He's an energetic dog, but he can be quiet when you need him to. So a lot of times I'll hang around the farm and then just to make sure he actually got exercise, I'll have him jump over the jumps in the, the schooling ring the schooling ring at home and he like goes crazy. So Aww. I guess that's about as much jumping as I make my dog do.
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool. Now, did you, okay. So you were kind of scared or you were scared. So did you ever do the ponies or what'd you start with when you finally started showing?
3: Yep, I I went all the way. I did walk trot or walk walk trot walk trot jump short stirrup children's ponies then through the pony
2: ranks and then children's hunters junior hunters
3: all the way through. So I did it all.
2: Wow! And now you're doing the amateur owners. So uh, we heard that you did really great at Devon this year. Can you yeah. tell us about how? That went? Yeah, won a big championship. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So.
3: I mean, it, it was, I still can't believe it happened, to be honest. Um, that was my first time back at Devon since 2018. And then my first time in the main Hunter Ring, jumping 3 6 since 2014. So my second to last year as a junior. Um, so I really just went in, not obviously, you know, everyone wants to win, but really my mindset was, you know, I haven't been in here for forever you know, really just go in there, have fun, um, and just take it round by round and try to be consistent, not, not go in there saying, Oh my God, I have to win this class or I want to win this class so bad. And then, um, so that really helped with my nerves. And then, you know, I had private practice first in the three threes and he had just gotten in like the day before. So he was a bit fresh the first day. So we didn't Mm -hmm. have a very good first round (laughs) for us. Um, and so that kind of, then again, also settled my nerves a lot. And then I had the best worst in in Quimby. So, I mean, I kind of feel like I'm cheating a little bit. (laughs) So even though we hadn't been together for very long, I was so confident in him and in our partnership that it just, it was amazing.
2: (laughs) I'm still in shock. That is, that is so cool that you have that kind of relationship. And, you know, I heard a trainer say that at least you didn't get in their way, you know, like you get credit, even if you have the most amazing horse, you still get credit for not getting in their way, you know, and being able to give that ride and, you know, not letting your nerves get the better of you. So that is exactly. really and that's cool.
3: Really, that's really what I tried to, to accomplish because a lot of times for me, if I try too hard, that's when I make the most mistakes. Mm. And so I mean, obviously, you still want to try hard, but um, I just had to make sure that I, I stuck with my plan and not just pick up the can or be like, "Okay, now let's." Now I have to find four distances or whatever. You know, I had to be very methodical about each corner, each you know, the beginning pace, middle, end, and all that stuff. Um, which Tom is very good about um, telling you, like how to ride the course, and so I just had to make sure to to focus on that and not the distance themselves and that really helps a lot
2: yeah that's awesome i think there's something to be said about that for life you know like staying present Mm -hmm. and just kind of handling each whether it's a jump or a corner or whatever just doing that you know and not worrying too much about uh trying to make up anything else that's awesome have you had any other favorite shows this year um well
3: we so we went to Upperville after Devon um which is such a beautiful show. Um not only is it beautiful but it's historic and uh, I had a good horse show there too but even if I didn't still love that horse show. And then next week and then the week after we go up to Traverse City for Michigan which is one of my favorite horse shows. Um so I'm really looking forward to that.
2: Awesome. And I know from your story in our July issue that you've got a thoroughbred that you're bringing along Luke. Can you kind of tell us mm-hmm. about him and how that's going?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. So he's, um, actually it, he's at home at the farm, um, in the field right now, but you know, Tom and I've, like we I said in an article, um, uh, Tom and I've always talked about wanting to bring thoroughbreds back to the hunters because pretty much every horse back in the day was a thoroughbred Mm -hmm. um and so i also love horse racing as well um so i was at the keeneland september sale helping um a woman named kim valerio find horses for her clients and he just happened to be there and she was like oh my god i found the most beautiful horse and, and he looks slow, which is the most, is the <laughs> most important. <laughs> so saw him and he looked, I mean, in the third, uh, at third red sales, you can only watch them walk back and forth mm-hmm. at the yearling. sale. So we got him at the yearling sale. Um, and you could just tell he had beautiful movement, beautiful balance and a beautiful head. So, um, because he, he would kind of look slow, she knew that we could probably get him for a good price. And so I like call my dad I'm like, dad, so I found a horse," And he's probably like, Oh dear God. (laughs) But luckily I, I didn't, you know, um, I actually split him with my mother. So my mom and I bought him together and, um, he got broke in Kentucky. I think, I mean, he was out in the field on day three. So it's such got such a good brain. Um, And he's just amazing. So we haven't really done with anything with him yet, you know, because we just came back from Florida and then now we're hitting the summer circuit where we're traveling a lot. Um, So he's, you know, just kind of chilling at home. That's That's
0: really cool. So I just have to point out that you are braver than you think, because you (laughs) not only do the three, six hunters, which is big. Those are big jumps. They Now you're going to ride a very young horse. So there you go. Yeah. Maybe you've come a long way, but either way, you're doing great. <laughs> I have come
3: a very long way. I'm still, yeah. I'm still a chicken at heart though.
0: Well, I get
2: <laughs> <But>. that. <laughs> no, I, I feel like that as well. Like it, you know, when I was learning, it would take me forever to learn one thing, mostly because I was terrified, you know, and, but once I got it, I got it. Like I really got it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. So you've been, Training with with Tom Wright, you mentioned him that you guys wanted to do the thoroughbred thing. You've been training with Tom for a long time, right?
3: Yeah, really long time. Um, he's been training our family for even long or my parent, my mom, really, um, longer than 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 me. Um, granted, I know she obviously is older than me because she's my mother. Um <laughs> I, but I had some, you know, in my chicken extra chicken phase, I guess you could say. Um, I, Mindy Dars was my trainer Aww. and then I kind of graduated from her to, um, a woman named Dom- Dominique Vonsiatsky who worked for heritage. But she really taught me for quite, well, actually for quite a long time. I, I am missing another piece of the puzzle in Darren Teodoro. He was my trainer kind of in the small, pon- small, medium pony ish sort of areas along with Mindy um, and then Dominique and then Tom kind of took over. He, he would train me um, kind of in, with Dominique a little bit, like sporadically um, until one point we were kind of like, okay, I think, I think I can move to Tom now. Um, <laughs> and so then yeah, he's in, I've, I i can not oh gosh, small ponies. He's taking me through the, the whole, Shebang. So he's known known me since before since I was too scared to canner and taking me all the way to <laughs> somehow do the, the three six amateurs. So wow. God bless him <laughs> because he's magic. And tell you he is.
2: No, that's yeah, yeah. God bless good trainers. I think is in general, you know, because it's so much more than it's training but then you, you spend a lot of time with them you know and, and it's a it's a relationship for life not just for factual writing, i think a lot
0: of times so
3: yeah 100% we're, we're really good friends so which makes that's it good. extra nice
0: yeah that's great
2: <laughs> awesome well um Thank you so much for coming on with us, Martha. If anybody wants to know more about Martha, she is in our July issue of Sidelines Magazine, has a fantastic story there. Um, Thank you again and best of luck with all of your summer shows and, and with bringing along Luke. We're going to be excited to see what he does in the future.
0: If you enjoyed this interview with Martha, who's in our July issue of Sidelines, then we have a special for all of our podcast listeners to get a half off subscription to Sidelines Magazine. That is 12 issues mailed to your mailbox once a month for $7.48. Brittany, that's like a gallon of gas in California right now. (laughs) No
2: kidding. And Sidelines in one issue will take you all around the country and sometimes all around the world where that gallon of gas may get you 13 miles in a pickup truck.
0: (laughs) There you go. So go to sidelinesmagazine.com and... Look for the button that says subscriptions and type in the code HRN. That stands for Horse Radio Network. There you go. Use the code HRN and get a half-off subscription to Sidelines. Kim Gatto is a writer for Sidelines Magazine and is also also the author of 15 books. She's had the honor and the joy of interviewing Olympic dressage writer Stefan Peters, who appears on the cover of the July issue of Sidelines. You'll love getting to hear her thoughts about Stefan and his many accomplishments and about what he's like in person. Hi, Kim. This is Jan. And Kim, for anyone who doesn't know, is a writer for Sidelines. And she's also written 15 books. Is that right? Yes. She's written 15 books. So she's a writer all the way around, but she writes for sidelines. And recently she did the story on, um, Olympic dressage writer, Stefan Peters. He was on our cover of the July issue. And, uh, tell us Kim, because you've always been a fan of his, what was it to like, Like to talk to him and write his story.
1: Oh, it was really incredible. He, I would say he was probably one of the kindest and most humble people I've ever interviewed. And I thought it was a great honor to talk to him. Um, I I told him right away I was a little nervous because (laughs) I am a big fan of his. Um, But once I started talking to him, I wasn't nervous at all. He was so easy to talk to.
0: That's so cool. Um, You hear that from everybody that he's so, you know, gracious. What, I guess, what did you like best about everything that he said? Anything specific stand out?
1: Um, I think, I mean, there were so many things, but I think um, the love of his horses, which seemed to really be the main theme, um, and also his kindness towards people as well, was very impressive to me. Um, In fact, I tell everybody that I know and everybody that I meet how nice he was and just that I was just really touched by, um, you know, just that he's so incredible as a person, not just as a rider.
0: Mm -hmm. right that's really cool what um is there anything that he told you i'm sure there's plenty that he told you that didn't make it into the Mm -hmm. story because you didn't have room that still stands out
1: um i'm trying to think that a lot of it we put into the story which was great um (laughs) one of the things that was really neat that he told me was um about how he kept a lot of his horses like in their retirement years Aww. and, you know, cared for them personally. And one of the things that made it into the story was um, his horse, Udon. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me about how, you know, when he was retired, like he'd see Stefan coming and he'd come running in the paddock Aww. and they would do like, he would do like little tricks for him and to get cookies. And I just thought that was really cool. Like here's this guy that's won you know multiple Olympic medals and he must be so disciplined and everything, but he just he loves his horses. That's like the main the main thing.
2: I love that. I also love that he is into motorcycles and do you oh, know and and gliders. We- that really surprised me. What did he tell you about that?
1: He told me that um, it was an interest that started actually with his dad in Germany when he was a little boy, his Mm. dad, he and his dad would, um, you know, put together model airplanes. And so it sounded like he really admired his dad. And um, unfortunately he had passed away Mm. several years ago. And I think that, you know, it was a way for him to remember his dad and, and kind of keep that interest in planes and, And that type of thing. So I thought that was really neat. And he also told me a story um, that's in the article about how his dad had bought him like his first dressage coat and that he had worn this jacket, like even in the Olympics. It was really cool. Like he had worn the jacket for like decades. And finally, he's like, I guess i got to put it, you know, into storage now. But it just it just was a touching, you know, story of um, his relationship with his dad.
2: I love that, that how how close he managed to stay with his family, even though he moved from Germany to the United States and became a US Mm -hmm. citizen and everything. I think that's really cool that you know, he kept in touch and kept that but they were so supportive of him through all that pursuing the American dream. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. And he said that this also didn't make it into the story, but he said that like he and his sister like still talk all the time and zoom all the time and you know, and his mom. And it's just really a nice story. And I wish I had spoken to Shannon too, because she sounds equally wonderful. His
0: wife. Yes. She used to write our dressage column years ago. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So we're we're a big fan of hers also. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have been fortunate to write several stories for sidelines, but what other stories have you written that um, really stood out because you were, I guess, fans? before you a fan of the person before you wrote the story?
1: Um, actually several and (laughs) the ones that I was not a fan of before only because I wasn't aware of the person I have since become a fan of. Um, one of my favorites was Doug Payne. Um, Uh, he was wonderful. And his wife, Jess. I spoke with both of them and I loved them both. They again, just like love their horses first and foremost. And, you know, just really great people. And it's funny, because I was talking to I moved to a new barn this weekend. And I was talking to, you know, some of the people and they do hunters, you know, and they do like Ocala and everything. And we were talking about how the people that are the most accomplished seem to be the most humble. Mm. And it was it was a really interesting, you know, conversation, because you would think, wow, these people have accomplished so much, you know, but they really are just, they have nothing to prove. So it's like, they're so kind and, and humble.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And that's so cool. It is.
1: It really, it was really cool. Like another one that I wrote about and it was somebody I had known, um, 20 years ago I had taken some lessons with was Lou Denizad and he's a dressage rider now based in Florida. Another wonderful Mm -hmm. person. Um, grew up not having much money. His parents are from Puerto Rico. And he just like started working, you know, cleaning stalls and doing whatever he could, and actually ended up competing at the Am games several mm-hmm. times. And uh, just a great person. And I think I was telling one of my friends this weekend that one of the things that's so rewarding for me of writing these stories is not only getting to talk to these people, but then when they send me an email saying, Thank you so much. I love it so much. Um, you know, I keep getting emails or Facebook messages from people telling me, Oh, we saw your story. Um, Tracy Fennie was another one actually just uh, thinking, yeah. you know, off mm-hmm. the top. She was awesome. And she sent me a message like, I'm getting all these texts from people seeing the story. I'm so happy. And it was just really nice. And it, it gives me a good feeling to be able to Bring their stories to life, and you know, maybe people that didn't really know them or know of them when they read the stories are like, Oh, wow, this person, you know, what a great story! So, yeah,
0: I love I'm that. Just and, loving it, <laughs> yeah, I love that too. And speaking of people that didn't know anything about Stefan, we have to talk about Kevin Hart and um, uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Dogg. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they're crazy videos because we were Brittany and I were just watching it before this about how, um, when, you know, they were watching it and they were like, Oh, that's equestrian. And then they're like, wait, wait, that horse oh, is I know. crip walking. And then so crip walking, crip walking. And then, um, Kevin was like, does the horse get a medal? And, uh, it was pretty oh, funny. I know. Did, it was so funny. Did you talk to Stefan about that at all? I did. And he was saying that, um,
1: Kevin's agent I guess called them and was like hey can you bring the horse into the studio and we'll like do a segment because I guess Kevin's really small like uh, mops he's like 18 hands (laughs) and they were like that would be really funny you know and I guess I guess Kevin was like well you might have to check with the insurance you know regulations of bringing a you know Olympic horse into the studio but he's like you know it may still happen we don't know but it sounded like you know really fun and I love that that like brought dressage to, mm-hmm. you know, a whole segment of people that may not even really know what it is or. Oh, absolutely. Like that.
0: Yeah. That mm-hmm. was, that was probably, well, that was definitely what brought Stefan so much attention. I mean, he's a fabulous dressage writer, but really right. cool just really told us to bring it to the mainstream, you know?
1: Right. Exactly. I know mm-hmm. it's funny, actually, Lou Denizar that I, that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. who's like a friend of mine. He, um, he was saying on his Facebook, somebody had seen a picture of him doing a half pass or whatever. And they were like, oh, you're
0: crip walking. <laughs> <So> <laughs> funny. He's
1: kind of like, you know, <laughs> went through the whole dressage world and everything. So it's pretty
2: funny.
0: That is pretty cool.
2: Wow. That's really neat. I love that you talked to Stefan about um, his freestyles and putting freestyles together with, you know, pop music that especially when right. he started doing it was not something that you did. In gisage. and yet it's turned out really exactly. good. Dressage in that it's getting right that attention. I think that was really cool. To, yeah, he
1: said that like one of his friends looked at him one night when he was like playing some of the music, and they're like, "What are you doing with that?" <laughs> like, and he was like, "Well, I'm gonna try it," you know. And they were like, "Okay,
2: <laughs> yeah." And and one of the quotes that was my favorite was that he said, "You know, even if you know other people don't." agree or don't support you to just, if you have an idea to try it anyway and do it anyway. exactly And and he talked about how much he loves being an inspiration, which he obviously is in in many, many ways.
1: Right. No, it was just incredible. That's awesome. like everybody, every time I meet someone and, you know, a horse person, I'm like, I got to interview Stefan Peters and he was so nice. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh, wow. They're like, not surprised, you know, because he, you know, he's known for that, but Yeah. Yeah. Really great when you know, like you think of a kid who looks up to some athlete and then they find out, well, they're a really good athlete, but you know, as a person, mm-hmm. they're not that nice or whatever. So it's so nice to, you know, find out that these people actually are really good people and horse lovers and you know, kind yeah. and
2: yeah, absolutely. And you're so good at interviewing people and getting details you know I don't know if that oh thank you yeah how do you do that is it you have a particular method that you use to ask questions or research to find all those fun Um, details that just bring your stories to life I usually
1: do a lot of research ahead of time so like if I find out that you know Jan will like assign somebody to me and um, I'll do a lot of like background research and of course having the internet now help Um, (laughs) and you know just kind of like same as like when I write a book, I try to do like tons of research up front to find out like a bunch of little interesting facts that we could include or, you know, and then I just take it from there. And really like my main thing when I interview someone is to make them feel very comfortable right away. And then they just, it's just like a conversation. It ends up being like two friends talking, you know, And, and, and that's really good because then they feel comfortable and and I feel comfortable, and it just works out well. And then they end up sharing really neat things, and and so it works out well. I'm loving it. I'm really loving it.
0: Well, we love having you as one of our writers. Now, tell me of oh, all the thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, tell me of all the books you've written. Which is your favorite one?
1: Um, I would have to say I wrote a book many years ago. I had um, my junior hunter horse um from the time i was 16 until i was 40 she lived to be almost 32 and i was like really nervous you know when she was getting older because i knew you know it was coming that one day she would pass away and it was like this is this horse has been like my family member for decades so Mm -hmm. i wrote a book on um coping with horse loss it's called beyond the rainbow bridge and we're actually talking about maybe um printing it again or revising it because um, a lot of people have asked about it and it just like, you know, because whether you're an Olympian or a backyard Mm. rider, you're going to face that at some point Mm. and it's hard. And um, I think because of that, that's my favorite because I know that it helped a lot of people. Mm. That's Um, true. Whereas the other books, you know, like inform people, but I feel like this, like I would receive a lot of emails and messages from people like, Oh, this helped me so much when I lost my horse or, you know, my daughter was devastated when we lost our horse and this really helped. And, and it was cool because we had like a chapter by a vet, you know, that was like, what do you expect? You know, with like euthanasia. And Mm -hmm. we had a chapter by a psychologist talking about, you know, grieving. And I mean, it wasn't a pleasant subject. And when I first brought the idea to my publisher, um, Half Hall Press, which is unfortunately no longer in existence, but um, Beth Rowland is the was the owner and, and publisher, and we still are great friends. Um, but I, I said to her, like, it would be, you know, I, I looked for a book on loss to prepare myself, and I could only find ones on cats and dogs, but nothing on horses. And I was mm-hmm. like, what would you think of doing a book? And she at first, she was like, oh, I don't know. That's tough, you know? And then she thought about it and she came back and she goes, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) And it was just like, I think she would say it probably is one of her favorites as well.
0: Oh, that's cool. Well, for anybody listening, it's called Beyond the Rainbow Bridge, A Thoughtful Guide Mm -hmm. for Coping with the Loss of a Horse by Kimberly Gatto.
1: Yes. And it is out of print right now, but it can be found, um, you know, on like eBay or different used bookstores and I do have to really revisit maybe bringing that back into print. So.
0: Oh, good. Well, I, and I also like your book, Sansa Blaze*. Is that how you say his name? Oh, yes. That was yeah. another of my favorites. Yeah, I, I really like that, that one.
1: Yes. Um, that was incredible working with Buddy Brown, another person that I grew up, you know, kind of idolizing.
0: Yeah. And is that book still available? Yes, it is. Okay, so that's called Sansa Blaze Grand Prix Greatness from Harrisburg to the Olympics. Um, and I read it and yeah. I, I just really liked it. So, oh, thank um, you. So, thank you for thank not you. only writing amazing books, but for also writing amazing stories for sidelines.
2: We're here with Shireen, who is the owner of Gumbits which sponsors Stefan Peters. Shereen, why is that so important to you?
1: So it's very special
3: for me knowing him for as many years as I have. I met Stefan many, many years ago when he was campaigning and showing Ravel. He loves the gumbits. Uh, he has sent me notes on over the years how much it has helped him when you train with him he always says uh there is no mistake there is no mistake there is learning opportunities i love that about him stefan has had a major impact on on me and he's he's just such a nice person and isn't it very very cool that he loves gum bits
2: This has been such an awesome episode and you can find stories like this and so many more at sidelinesmagazine.com. Don't forget, you can use the code HRN to get half off an entire year subscription to sidelines, which brings the total to $7 and 48 cents. So go to sidelinesmagazine.com now. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com.
0: You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with your with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network.
2: Thanks to our sponsors, Marketmore LLC and Gumbits.
0: We'll see you on the sidelines.